So, uh, your PDGA number, sir? Whoa! Uh, <laughs> left field. Whoa! Yeah, I, 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 we're in Bartman territory right there. Six seven four three six. Six seven four three six. Mine is shortly so, after yours. Not I did shortly, so. Um, how many wins? <laughs> I have. I have one PDGA win as an M1 at the Steady Habit Open. And you are a professional disc golfer then? Uh, yeah, I I cashed. I, so my last season that I played, I cashed, I don't know, three, four times. Dude, so. you're a professional fucking disc golfer. Stud. Yeah. <laughs> Stud. Are we all professional I, I disc mean, golfers here technically? I mean, I've uh, taken some money. I've taken some money. I, I've never taken money. Uh well, they're three out of the four is pretty good. That's LeBron's free throw percentage. I've never taken. Uh, I've never taken sanctioned money. Okay. All right. so. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. If I played right now, I, I'm probably like I haven't played since Waco. Like that was the last time I touched a disc. I'm probably like an that's eight, what that was eight, my next player. question. Is like, do you, are you playing? I mean, he's in New York City. Just, it's hard to do anything. No, right well, now. I mean, you're, you're living with a backdrop, so. You know, <laughs> yeah. The disc golf um, to our backdrop. So I'm just thinking, this is this is you 24 seven right there. For sure. Yeah. I mean, since I moved to New York, I, I mean, I just don't really play that much anymore. Yeah. The closest course is 45 minutes away if you're driving. Um, but I don't have a car. I sold it when I moved here. So because like it just it literally doesn't make sense to have, and it would it saved me so much money yeah. to not have it. So um, like I wasn't going to keep a car and pay a thousand bucks a month, a thousand bucks every six months for insurance to go play FDR. Well, so how much does the parking course. spot cost? Hey, that's another thing. Like <laughs> you can park on the street, but like I was parking here for three weeks before I got my first ticket. Like it's it's impossible. So. Well, um, and are, now that, yeah. are any courses yeah. open there? I would imagine probably not then, huh? No, there's no just like open spot. No, no. you got to move. So you can park on the street, yeah. but it, there's like one day a week usually for like two hours that you have to move it for street cleaning. So theoretically, if you're diligent enough, you could park for free in New York City. But um, like with the amount that the I... Ass. What's that? It yeah, like it's a pain, pain in the ass. Oh yeah. Huge pain in the ass. And like, especially with me traveling all the time, I yeah. wasn't going to tell my wife like, yo, mo go move my car like once a week while she's like teaching and being a professor and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. So we decided to sell it. And I, I mean, I, I don't know, like I, I love disc golf. It's, it's yeah, obviously yeah. a big part of my life, but it's a big, um, really big part of your life now. <laughs> It's yeah. not just a As fucking it is hobby. All of okay? our lives yeah. also. Yeah. This is not a hobby not anymore. Well, no, it's, it's a hobby <laughs> for him still. Uh, kind of. He's a president I'm, of our I'm club. President of the club. I am the leader, but I am still. <laughs> <laughs> I am still just a casual amateur disc golfer. <laughs> you don't have yeah. money in the game now, or oh, I've put plenty no, of money you, in you the don't fucking game. Make money from the game, I should say. No, I don't yeah. make money from. No, I don't. That's why I'm not a professional. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons you're not a professional, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I'll drink to uh, that. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah, I, I just, like, I don't play that much anymore. It's a, I mean, it's a bummer. I, I definitely miss my morning rounds. Yeah. I like, I used to love, like, I used to get up at six every morning and go to Page Park down in Bristol, Connecticut. And Page is really nice and short. So you can play around about 45 minutes, get my round in and putt for like 20 minutes. I love putting. And then I'd, go home and get her to go to work and uh i definitely like but i mean that's the thing is like i don't think i miss disc golf specifically i miss like yeah. my alone time yes yeah. like, yes I, yes i agree yeah 
like I, I don't think it's like because I kind of substituted disc golf when I moved back here. I substituted it back for running because disc golf mm-hmm. kind of like took the place of running for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got back into running when I came here and like, yeah, I, I don't necessarily like miss the actual playing of the disc golf. Cause like when, like I can go play now, I, people, you know, call me and go say like, Hey, let's go play. And they'll drive me to places. There's a, like a bunch of New York people who, they kind of all ride shared different courses and like, I don't get super like giddy about going to go play in a foursome. You know what I mean? Like that, that never was the thing for me. It was like, I just want to be alone with my discs and like focused on doing like this one thing over and over again. Go like, out and do like, your I, thing. Yeah. Not, not yeah. an organized event every time. Just go out and play. So how yeah. much weight did you gain when you substituted a uh, disc golf <laughs> for running? Well, I, I, so I was still, I was still running. Like, don't get me wrong. I still like running huge part of my life. I'll never like not do that at least once a week, but, uh, I mean a little bit, I don't know. I, in Just college, kidding. I was like, any, <laughs> in college, I was anywhere from like, you know, depending on the day I was anywhere from 145 to 155. And in right now I'm anywhere from 165 to 175 and, during when I when I was playing when I was running a lot less and playing disc golf a lot more honestly it was like pretty much the same like I you know I play my rounds pretty quick I I'm walking pretty hard like you know what I mean like you're yeah, still yeah, yeah. burning ca- moving yeah you're still like you're still moving I would still run on the weekends like you know I if uh if I didn't feel like playing disc golf that day I'd go on a on a run and so I, I you know I don't think I've ever quite gotten past like 180 or 185 but I'm uh, jealous. Yeah, I, no I, shit. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. It always like, uh, yeah. I'm very sensitive about it. Cause I used to be like so skinny that like, and I kind of liked it. I, I loved, I liked being like super skinny. It was fun. Um, you but like, I just agree all the time. Up, like, yeah, exactly. Dude. <laughs> that's the best hungry. thing about being a, being a runner. That's the best thing is that you just get to eat constantly. Damn. Like oh, shit. So when I was I in college, yeah, that's a, <laughs> I'm in for that. Yeah, the running. Part. I actually don't mind it's running. I really running like running. Part. I find it's hard for me to find time for it right now. But yeah. that's a that's it's hard a first time find for a lot story. of things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, but when when I was in when I was in college, I so I was I was running a hundred miles a week. Like I would run at Holy least. Holy shit! So that's a lot. So hundred yeah. miles an hour. That's insane. That's impressive, though. Yeah. But yeah, that's a lot of calories. It's a lot of like fuel you need to put back in your body so what me and my teammates used to do and we were all running like you know the my even the my teammate doing the least amount of mileage is probably still doing 60 70 miles a week like that's like the lower end of college athlete we would go to the dining hall and we would eat for we would eat for time yeah. like we wouldn't because you can't like if you just say i'll eat till i get full you'll never it doesn't happen so you we would just say like all right we're gonna what? eat till one o'clock Shit. and then we're gonna stop eating i want to so, do that like, I mean, you can. Yeah, that sounds similar to what I would do at any baseball. I <laughs> I played college baseball, and my freshman year was a brand new coach at a JC super competitive league. We got yeah. a brand new facilities, turf field, and everything. So we had like 140 people show up for tryouts. Oh wow! So it was basically run until people quit. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I couldn't put on any weight, so I would just go to the cafeteria at lunch and eat for an hour straight, just like whatever I could and then that sounds delicious yeah, exactly. cafeteria yeah, food is not great though I mean 
you don't have to you don't have to cook it and you don't have to clean it. There's something yeah, beautiful that's about true. that. That's great. From right. someone who cooks. All right, about changing subjects a little bit. I got some breaking NBA news on my what phone. What the fuck's going on there? Oh, please. It's only breaking uh, until if you're going to get this out in the next 48 uh, crash, hours. Crash, don't interrupt this NBA news. God with, what's your PDGA serious. number this time? Breaking, it's breaking news to us. It's Kyrie Irving proposed a new league. Oh, with players during a group chat with the Nets. Is that coming from Woj? Like, where is that coming from? Um, New York Daily News. So take that with a grain of salt. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, New York. What do you think about not, that? It's Bleacher Report retweeted. Woj, I don't it's the fucking or what about Shams? Like, Shams are you a Shams fan or what? Uh, I'm only a Shams fan because he's my Middle Eastern brother. But other than that. <laughs> like, I, I'm a Woj fan too. I like Woj, but yep, and I'm not. I'm kind of on the Shams fringe is of better basketball. in interviews. That's what I'll yeah. say. I don't know. I've just I've just sat there. I've been in the room on the trade deadline watching Woj work, and it's like that dude's that's different. What he's oh, doing, like, I, I want to see that. <laughs> I, I really want to see that. Does he so, have like five phones? Saw, no, he's so his. So here's five the thing: phones. is. Uh, I was in the room. I was in the studio during the trade deadline. When, so like, I'm like, I'm probably as far as you two are sitting apart from each other. I was sitting that far apart from Woj when, uh, when he was like breaking trades and stuff. And his, like the reason he gets the info first is because the teams are tr- telling him this stuff. Like mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. coming directly from the GM. So he was like, Oh, Hey, Masai, like Masai Ujiri, the yep. GM of the Raptors. Raptors yeah. Oh, you're doing that trade? That's great. And then he would tweet it out. And then, like, while he's on the phone, he would tweet it with the GM. Yep. And, like, I was there when he broke the, um, what was it? Who got traded? The uh, Jay Crowder when yeah. the Jazz traded him mm-hmm. to Cleveland, I think. And I remember him saying, like, oh, they must really believe in Royce O'Neal. Like, by him and Bobby Marks, who's, like, his right-hand man. Um we're talking about like, Oh, what does this trade mean? And like, he's just going like all the time. He never stops. And, uh, I mean, a lot of it's like a little shady. I, I don't know. He like, tr- he trades, all, he, tr- he like, he, he kind of trades exposure for information a lot of yeah, times. So. Yeah. It's an, it, like, that's a really interesting thing. I'm fascinated by that kind of shit where like the shifters of the world yeah. and how exactly do you develop those relationships? What is the trade off back and forth? For some reason that fascinates the hell out of me. Yeah, for sure. Like, like Tibbs was just on, uh, Tibbs was just on the Woj pod, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tibbs was probably on the Woj pod to like promote himself for the Another New York job. job yeah. The yeah. New York job, which he's up for. And you bet your ass when, so we're we're allowed to swear on this. Well, I've of course, so you like can say whatever times, the hell you want. You can't yes. fucking say anything. Yeah, 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 we can, you can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no. I mean, you can you can bet anything that when when uh, Woj gets the Knicks job eventually, which he probably will, because Woj will lean on uh, those guys there to give him that job. When uh, when Tibbs does get that job eventually, Woj is probably going to expect now, like, yo, I want. Like yeah. as soon as a player is hurt, as soon as this uh, any player on your team makes a decision, I want that information first, and I'm I'm gonna get you this job in exchange, and like that's how those relationships work, and mm-hmm. yeah, um, but yeah, it's like he he works so hard, man. I've never seen anyone grind that like all hours of the day that dude is like is grinding. So well, like big shouts to Woj, man. I I really I respected him a lot more after after working with him. Like yeah. that dude, that dude's for real. That makes sense, man. He he breaks most of the trades. And signings and whatnot. Yeah, it's like seventy yeah, percent I mean, of the league, maybe. I mean, Shams is starting to break into that a little bit, but 
Yeah, it's like, I mean, Woj is just the guy. I think he just has like the reputation at this point. So mm-hmm. like, it's going to be hard. He's got like a monopoly on it. It's going to be hard. Yeah. It's going to be hard for anyone to break through. I love how much kind of sway you can have as someone who like never really never played in the NBA for sure. You know, how, how much, I guess, power to a certain extent, somebody, somebody like that can have is cool. Yeah. 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 It's, it's awesome the way he's just like kind of managed those relationships and everything. Like, you know, it's, it's like all the credit to him for, for doing it. So yeah. Yeah. That's big fan of that dude. I love that you have the inside and have have been able to kick it with these people too. So, like, what, do you I'm have jealous any, I mean, in a sense. Don't don't get me wrong. I've never kicked it with Woj. Like, you've been close enough though to, to, to see, like, it. see it. Yeah, you get a little I, I, behind in, the scenes. I've been in meetings with him yeah. where he's like telling us stuff that's going to happen like five years from now. Like, I knew about the Westbrook. <laughs> you know how Westbrook trade got yeah. traded? Yeah. Like he he was talking about that like in like 2015. Like I was in a room with him and he was like he was saying how uh Pritchard the OKC GM mm-hmm. was like he can't wait to trade Westbrook wow. like he's going to he's going to trade Westbrook like as soon as this is like a while ago like a really yeah. long time ago um i forget who was like what the trade was for it might have been for like Paul George when Paul George was up in Indiana mm-hmm. but like my like, goals to make this part go viral right now yeah let's go yeah. i want some of that NBA viralness <laughs> going on from our podcast but like it's just the, he like the all this stuff all is like percolating like he knows all of it already yeah. so makes sense there's yeah, a lot of yeah. i mean we hear like random disc golf rumors yeah like through the grapevine just doing our job so there's a ton of i imagine woj knows far more about the nba than we know about disc golf yes <laughs> yeah. yeah like we yeah, I he, had some insight into the page move before it happened yeah you didn't even tell me i was upset no, man. dude i, I didn't sad. tell anybody i respected I know. what I know. you know the information that i heard but um yeah it's it's interesting I, I i don't know for some reason again it just fascinates the hell out of me just kind of this behind the scenes and and the breaking news and all of it. I love the business of sports. I got a I got a question for you. Is there a disc okay. golf equivalent of a worldwide West or a, or you what's mean like this? a super powerful like power broker behind the scenes that no one knows about that like yep. does everything? Yep, yep. Uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, not that so. I know of at least. I thought maybe I, it was like a what's his face Rainwater that bought the disc golf pro tour. Maybe oh, like if that yeah. was it. Todd. <laughs> Todd. Yeah. I don't I think mean, there t- is yet. I mean, Todd's Todd's a cool dude. Like I've met him a couple times. He's like he, he's he gotta seems be cool. Genuine. He's not a power. Yeah, he's gotta though. be cool. He bought Disc Golf Pro Tour. No, he he <laughs> seems to like really be like invested emotionally, physically. Like yeah. he really cares about disc golf, which is really cool to see. Yeah, that's great. Um, this isn't. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got all kinds of like ideas, and um, you can tell he like he he really cares. So that, I mean, it's it's it's. That, that's great like that's all you that's all you can want from yeah. uh, from an owner that's so huge for the pro tour i mean steve steve did an incredible job and uh, i'm happy to see you know the reins handed off to to jeff spring and the whole crew including yourself yeah, and then having todd you know backing it is is awesome i think the outlook for for the pro tour is extremely bright it's huge. You're the you're the only thing coming up with. I mean, anything right now. Sure, I mean, and that's the immediate future. That is though. so very well when you come when you when something like this happens. It it's it just you have all the attention and it's exciting and you're doing you're putting great product out there. It's phenomenal. It's really exciting for everybody involved with disc golf, even us amateurs. 
Yeah, hey, just I mean, speak it for is, yourself, it, sir. It is, it is pretty. Uh, it it is pretty cool that we're like kind of the only, like you said, we're the only game in town right now. There's no national tour. The rest awesome, of the other is like world. USDGC yeah. so, is the only other major tournament, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, right now, if you want to see high level professional disc golf, it's got to be on the disc golf road tour, yes. which yep. is, which is, which is sick. Like that, that's really cool. Um, and I, I think we're going to do our best to make sure we like, you know, live up to live up to the fans and their For expectations sure. of what they want out of these tournaments and like, and our expectations as well. Like, hey, you got to make it more exciting than the PGA stuff. <laughs> I, lo- I no. love golf. I I'm know a, I do too. It's actually kind of fun. <laughs> I'm a huge golf nerd. I, so when I used to work on the, on the jump, like we, I mean, our show's like, you know, it, it was on at like, it was on at three. So we'd get in probably around like seven or eight and, I would just turn on the golf. Ch- it was the only thing that was on because there's no NBA or anything. So I would just turn on the golf channel and just like watch replays old golf. It was, the, I, I uh, yeah, no, put, golf that, is very that, soothing. It's good to have what, on the background when you're working. What is that? What what McAfee said, taking a nap. McAfee said it's the best nap sport <laughs> in the world. Nap yeah. sport. <laughs> and now with no, with no crowd, it's way nappier. It's so way much nappier. <laughs> there's no one yelling like, Mashed potatoes, mashed light potatoes, potatoes. Get biscuits, or get in the wall. <laughs> so, yeah, when is that going to start in, infiltrating disc golf? When random fans are going to start I yelling want heckling. stupid shit? I want more fucking heckling. I want heckling, but, but I don't want like the mashed potatoes. <laughs> like, I would like some mashed potatoes. There's right better now. heckling than I mean. Personal opinion: Mashed potatoes are the worst form of all potatoes. Country gravy. Really? Wow, that's country, a bad take. That country gravy. That's, a, dinner that's gravy. all right. That's my. That's my take. It might not be a good God. take. Your opinion is wrong. That's all right. That's, uh, that's just not a good take, dude. Yeah. Mashed potatoes are phenomenal. I'm with Mo. I'm on about this to tweet this out it's right now. It's not my that favorite. Is, mashed potatoes are the worst <laughs> potatoes of them all. It's top ten. Top ten. How many types of potatoes are there? I don't know, but to have it at the bottom. The the very really? bottom, the oh. worst. That's horrible. Like French fries are way do not better. Belong in the basement. They're not this, in the attic, but they they do not belong in the dude, basement. The I just think it's a it's a ver- it's a versatile food stuff, man. It can it like is. it goes uh, with a lot of everything. different things. Saucy things, saucy things like, are great with mashed potatoes. I was I was trying like, trying to like compare potatoes, an NBA player to mashed noodles, potatoes, oh, and I can't Jesus do it. Christ. Like it's versatile, but it's like not Im- impactful. Really. Wow. Sounds like half the Bulls roster. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Sacramento Kings. Sacramento oh, Kings. Man. It's like late in Lamar Odom's career. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. Swiss how, Army knife, but just doesn't yeah, really do anything. Doesn't really do much. Yeah. And it's got the Kardashians on the side. So you're at this point just talking about the like chives and slight drug drug habit. <laughs> <laughs> It took a dark turn, man. I like it, but it, it went dark. <laughs> Sorry, oh, guys. That's how I feel about mashed potatoes. Mashed yeah, fucking that's potatoes. All right. Yeah, well, I could. I can't do the mashed potato. What do you, what there's a dance. There's a fucking dance. There's, there's a, a dance, dance called potato the mashed potatos. potato. Where I'm. Yes. It sounds like a kid, or it sounds like a uh, a father of a, a very young <laughs> five child. year old. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about the mashed potato dance. So what's what does it look like for the tour starting back up? I know we've got yeah. you in Milwaukee and the competitors in Kansas City, but how is it for for the Disc Golf Pro Tour inside crew ramping back up for, you know, let's get ready to disc golf again? Roll. Yeah. I, I mean, it's been really exciting. Uh, Jeff and Evan 
are in an RV driving to Minnesota right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff really wanted to check out the preserve and make sure that it's like up to tour standards. And like, if it's not, you know, what are the things we can do to make sure that it is up to tour standards by the time we get there? Just because it's, you know, we like they've never, it's the course is brand new. They never hosted an event. Yeah. So we want to like, it wouldn't, you know, Jeff didn't feel like he was going to be doing his due diligence if he didn't go out there and check it out beforehand. Um, and yeah, so Jeff and Evan are on their way there. Sam has been in it. Sam Gaddis uh, has been in Emporia. Um, he decided not to go back home to Boston because uh, I think Emporia just felt like safer sure. uh, from, the, from the virus, which yeah. is fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean, he was right. Cause like, I mean, I'm in like, you know, I'm in New York city and it, people are dying left and right in the streets. So, uh, so yeah, you know, fair enough. Um, so he's there. Seth Fenley is in, uh, Florida right now. And Aaron, uh, Wilma is in Maine. Yeah. And I think Seth is going to be heading out to Kansas city. Like I'm, I think I'm the only one not going to Kansas. Basically everyone else is going to be there doing their thing. So and uh, Dustin, we have our, our graphic designer, Dustin, is in uh, Boston as well. And he's he's just grinding out all, all his, I mean, I, I do some of them, I, but Dustin's on another level in terms of graphic design than what I can do. Like, I have very basic, like, Photoshop skills that I, I can do some stuff. And But Dustin Dustin's the uh, the guy that makes makes the whole thing. I mean, he makes, like, all our logos and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's good. Have people lean into, lean into their strengths. What what has it been like? This is sort of a right turn, but what has it been like in in New York City during this this whole yeah, pandemic? No what has it been like oh, for you? Man. It's been so weird. It's been so weird because, like, I don't know. A big part of what makes New York is the people, yes. right? Like that's the whole point of it. That's the whole point of the city is that there's like this electricity. There's like there's always people out. There's always like music playing in the streets. There's always people yelling at each other on the streets, and um, in my neighborhood, so I live in a, like I was saying, I, I, I live in like in Washington Heights. It's like not the richest area in the, like, I mean, we moved here initially cause like we didn't have two incomes. Like I was doing the yeah. freelancing thing. So we like, we picked Fucking our slacker. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. So like we, we picked a, we picked like this place, like kind of strategically it's, it's relatively cheap for Manhattan and it's still really close to Columbia, which is on one twentieth. So mm -hmm. my wife can go to work. Um, but yeah, it's not like the wealthiest area. And so for the first like part of the, the pandemic, like it didn't really look that different. Like, cause people were still going, like everyone who lives here works in a grocery store or works in yeah. like, works in some kind of service industry. So for the most part, people were still kind of going to work. It didn't feel like that deserted. And then it got to a, and then there was like this weird point where it just like, all of a sudden, like people started disappearing and it was just like, it just got a lot emptier out in the streets. Like as more and more businesses kind of closed and fewer and fewer people were going to work. And it just became like very clear that this was like a serious thing. It just got emptier and emptier and emptier in the streets. So, um, yeah, it was just, I, I mean, I remember when I came home from Waco and there was no one on the subway. That's insane. Like yeah. usually it, like it was eerie how quiet the subway was. And, um, and like, I think the thing that's interesting about New York is that it's so on top of each other, right? Like mm -hmm. the rich folks are living right next to the poor folks. 
and it's really, really, really obvious how the poor people are kind of being like thrown to the wolves a bit and mm-hmm. the rich folks get to stay at home and be safe and happy in their like skyscrapers. Like, cause you look downtown, you look at times square and you look at like lower Manhattan and upper West side and all those areas. Like yeah. it's dead, it's dead quiet. And there's no one out there because those are all like people that work as like consultants or, mm-hmm. you know, they work in publishing yeah. or whatever. They, Working you know, they work from all these home industries. or they can afford to take time off. Or yeah, or even they can afford to work digitally. Like yep. th- their job doesn't require them to be in a spot. Like to yeah. have that luxury. Um, like most higher end jobs don't require you to be in a spot. Uh, and then you look at my neighborhood. You look at like you look at Queens. You look at the Bronx. You look at like areas where poor people live, and it just like the, it looks the same for the most part in terms of people going to work. And that's why this thing is like like these protests that are going on, like it's not, it's not cause of, it's not just cause of this like horrible murder of this, of George yeah. Floyd. It's not yeah. just, it's like this pent up, Holy shit. It's so obvious that the virus is killing poor people because of yeah. this, like the inherent system of like just the, the seams of capitalism mm-hmm. are like fraying because of coronavirus It's showing yeah. very clearly that like, if you are rich, you just keep getting richer. And if you're yes. poor, you're going to get fucked. And that's like, that's why these protests have been like as visceral and, and as like emotional as they have been. It's, it's, it's everything that has to do with police brutality on top of like all these other things where it's like, like it's, it's just so obvious how, it's an onion. how, yeah, it's so yeah. obvious how you're like privilege a lot like i'm like insanely privileged i've lived like an insanely privileged life and i haven't had to do like i haven't had the burden of like uh i just haven't had a lot going against me being in the position i am where i get to have this job where i get to stay at home and just like be and be safe from this virus right and like i don't know man it's just been it's made me like angry more than anything. I've been, I've just been like angry since like March. It's not like good for my heart, but um, (laughs) I think there's a, there's a collective, the world's we're all angry at what's going on. The masses, the majority are angry at what's going on because it's so many people are angry on different sides. Yeah. We should all be angry about the same thing. Yes, we should. And gearing towards change. Instead, we're just mad at each other and yelling at each other. And, to some extent, getting nothing done and Fighting it's frustrating, about but there's a lot of good yeah. being done right now too, and that's not yes, to be overshadowed. Yeah, for sure. It it just feels it feels very awkward. Like me and so my wife is like, my wife's a Persian teacher. She teaches Persian to Columbia students who are nice. generally like pretty wealthy, and I'm a media manager for the Disc Golf Pro Tour. I'm making media for like. Yeah, mostly like white males, right? So, I'm making like disc golf entertainment for most, yeah. like yes. It's just like it's just <laughs> like we were sitting here working across from each other, and like it was just like I just remember like having a moment where I was like Jesus, like I, it just felt really awkward. Where it was like we're in the safe cocoon, we're in the safe bubble that we didn't do anything really. We're just like so lucky to be in it. Yeah, and um. Yeah, I don't know. It's been it's just been like a That's very heavy. weird, emotional, heavy time. Yeah, like yeah, you said, heavy, heavy time. That's really heavy. Yeah, it is, and I think it's, it's your perspective months. is very is, is is 
Yeah. It's, it's a time it's of self-reflection in a lot of yeah. ways. It is for sure. Yeah, and it's a weird time for us because we haven't yeah. really done better. So like it's hard to like even mention that because like this is a time when people aren't doing well at all. Yeah. Like, there's a vast majority of the country that's doing not great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So like that we're over here doing well. It's like, damn, like they're they're doing well over there. We're trying, yeah, man. We're trying. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in events and event production. So yeah, I can, <laughs> so I can relate. I can relate to you on mm-hmm. video production. I did I, live events, mostly corporate events, live live and uh, live video, and just all the way up and down events. So we are, you know, besides the government cheese, you know, the loans and stuff. We're just sitting here going. Let's. There's Wait no events. events. Are available. Yeah. When are events going to be available? Yeah, it's tough when so you're in you, the live you, event space. You lay you lay everybody off and you wait. I mean, obviously, there's things to do and podcast. There's disc golf. There's yeah. disc golf, which is blowing up in the in the uh, COVID the COVID times. times. It's true. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's really a. I mean, it's a great sport for social dis. I mean, the PGA Tour just had their first event and that was a big impetus for us. Like we were always looking at the PGA tour. Like yeah. if they're back, then we can be back. Cause yeah, like it's true. the same kind of open air, um, open air sport. And, and I, you can I mean, be I think better I, than yeah. them because this yeah. is a new race. When, when you don't have crowds, it's a new production and you need it with less people. So I think yeah. you're already on the cutting edge to kick their ass. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I like to think of it. Pockets, like, I think so. <laughs> big, come on, it's all about it's all about production management. All, yeah, I so mean, all the things the that make your uh, golf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I like to think that all the things that golf has, we have also, but we're just faster and more entertaining. See, like, exactly. There you go. I would like. Hopefully, we're faster in a lot of aspects. But they need to get to the next throw yeah. faster. I mean, yeah, even getting to the next, like, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, you in terms know, of, like, it's just, it's we just need multiple with cameras. We just well, need more cross-country yeah. people yeah. so that you can throw, you then run. Cameras. You're I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. So was that, away, didn't Jomez or something do something like that where they're, like, throwing down the hill? And then that was when section through the sick roller, forehand roller, and they're sprinting after it, trying to finish the hole in <laughs> the shortest yes. amount of time. I don't remember that. They're that's taking great, golf though. carts, and they're, like, they're throwing and then driving a golf cart or run. I don't even remember what it so was. From, I mean, that's where you're, uh, run, where you're uh, running in disc golf. Running. Yeah. You can run it's, and play disc golf. Yeah. So, Ian, so it was actually funny. At, uh, at Portland Open last year, Ian, um, so Ian would, I was shooting reaction cam, and Ian had the great idea of why don't you get the distances also? So we, we have like the, the range finder, right? That we use to measure yeah. distances of throws yeah. for central coast. So I would do reaction cam on the tee and I would like, then it, it makes me feel like a puppy. I was like so happy. So I just like run down the fairway and then shoot, get the range finder, get the distances, write them down. Like, yeah, that was, that was fun. I, I always love the, any opportunity. That's why I liked being a camera guy for central coast last year. Cause it's kind of fun. Like you kind of do, you hustle a lot where you yeah. just kind of like, run to the next spot and that, that that part of it's always is always really enjoyable to me um but did you see the thomas yeah. gilbert throw on on central coast recently speaking of rangefinder which one i don't know I, I don't it was a tournament that i think just got played and thomas gilbert like mashed like a hyzer flip to like flat shot that's slightly downhill Oh, dude, that that was on the Disc Golf Pro Tour Instagram. Oh, was I know because I, I posted that Pro one. Okay, so it was you that yeah. posted. I saw somewhere, and I just yeah. I, for some reason I thought I heard Ian's voice. It did, it was from Central Coast. Okay. So because yeah, we're trying to build hype for the uh, 
we're trying to build hype for the uh, the challenge at Goat Hill, which is happening this weekend. Be sure to watch it on Central Coast Disc Golf. Heck yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we've just been posting highlights and different like videos was from that, that last event. year. That was, yeah, that was all from last year. All right. Cause that was a sick shot. It went like 640 yeah. or something Dude, like Tom, that. Tomcat, Tomcat can bomb. Like he's in the class of like a Sepo Paiu or uh, saw, Kevin Jones. We I'm saw a fan him of throwing Thomas. at um, SFO. We did a live podcast last year and he what I don't know. The bunch of the young guys were throwing off of the top. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been to SFO. The uh, that's the one, one of the ones I'm, I'm gonna miss unfortunately yeah so it's like on a hill and like where you're at around like tournament central slash mm-hmm. clubhouse area sean's told me about this it's like up yeah. higher and so yeah. everyone like all the players were there throwing down the hill after the round was over adam hammis adam hammis and thomas gilbert is like asking for other players discs like hey i need i'm out of discs like i want to throw some more that was so much fun Dude, seeing was, that watching these dudes just mash on discs as I'm hard a, as they could yeah i'm yeah. a big thomas gilbert fan it was sick because they were throwing discs that they weren't sponsored by true so also someone ran out of discs like hey do i got i want to use your discs like oh what is this how does it fly like yep. oh it flies like this and then they'd throw it I'm like oh it's a little bit understable that was awesome yeah, Tom, yeah. peeking tom Tomcat's the best, dude. Yeah, he's I love how much matches. of a disc golf nerd he is too. Yeah, like I say that with a lot of affection. He is a oh my gosh. nerd. He he's like so into disc golf. Like, I you just give him a disc and he like he's real. I'm sure he's. I don't know if he's been to your store, but if he no, goes to he your store, he'll yet. touch every single disc and tell you like, oh man, this disc is a great destroyer. Yeah, this is a good one. Put it back. Oh, this this destroyer is going to be perfect for this shot. Like, yeah, he's um, yeah, he's just a great kid, and I I you know I wish. Wish him all the luck and success in the world. Hopefully, he can defend his title uh, this weekend. Is really yep. tough field. Philo is going to be there. I think. Uh, I think Philo is the highest rated player in the field. Uh, and uh, Max like Nichols, Risley probably uh, there. Who? Risley. AJ Risley. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Risley. All the San Diego pros are going to yeah. be there. Uh, so it's. I mean, it's going to be a, a really exciting event. Um, he doesn't have to deal with. Uh, he doesn't have to deal with Seppo uh, or KJ. True. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he'll be the furthest throwing person in the field by quite a lot, quite a lot. And on that course, it matters a lot, mm-hmm. but, um, I mean, it's definitely not a given, like, I mean, it, the way Philo can shape those like perfect little flex lines, he'll, he, I mean, he'll figure out a way to manufacture distance and, uh, it'll definitely be, I, I can't wait to watch it. Like I, I'm Ian's always going to be my homie, like yep. central coast. Like I love those dudes so much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Corey's like my, you know, Corey's always going to be my homie. Peter's Corey's always going to be my homie. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I hope those guys like knock it out of the park and I, I, I can't wait to watch. And I, I mean, I know they're going to knock it out of the park cause they're, yeah. they're central coast. They're great. So, so who's, uh, who are some of your favorite players to watch? Uh, first one comes to mind is Paige. I love watching Paige th- like throw her like perfect putter shots. Like she's, he's a genius at that stuff. So good. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy watching Paige. Um, I really like watching Brian Earhart just cause he's like my, my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love watching Haley, uh, King. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's, she's one of these FPL players that you can like, you can kind of see the future in her a little mm-hmm. bit. Like you yeah. can see like, this is what all the FPL players are going to look like in like yeah. five years. I played around. She was actually in town pre COVID mm-hmm. shortly pre COVID. Yeah. In the off season, off season. And she was on our podcast and played around with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so awesome. it was cool. It was like that girl mashes. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Like, for I, sure. I, I throw pretty I, far and she was like 
damn near keeping up with me. Yeah, um, like, no, her lines just, are so pretty too. Yeah, that just slight yeah, turnover slight line. Ooh, something yeah, I'm not good at. Yeah, I, I love her. I love the way she putts. I think her putting is like mm-hmm. just. She's one of the few FPL players that has like a really dynamic uh, push putt. Um, you know, an FPO tends to be like more of a spinny putt, and she just has like this like very much like flow from her knees kind of putt, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I, I guess on the MPO side, I, I don't know. Uh, I just, I mean, I like watching everybody, I guess, but that's a really a cop-out answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love, I love watching Kevin and yeah. Seppo. Kevin's a huge, we're big Kevin fans. I think here. we are huge Kevin Jones. He won't answer our, we want to, we've been trying to sponsor him. So Kevin Jones, if you're listening, yeah, right? <laughs> we would like to give you money. Yeah. Let us throw you some bread. Come on. <laughs> uh, dude, I don't know. KJ is one of those dudes. So as a person who like regularly struggles with like depression and anxiety, like Kevin Jones is the best person for me to be around. Cause he's just like, he's glowing like with like positive energy. Nice. And I just, I need that all the time. Like I'll eat that up, man. So, and Kevin's just like being around Kevin, like makes me happy. And it's just like, he's, he's just such a good dude. I remember the first time I watched him, was at Maple Hill and I wasn't, I was just a guy watching Kevin Jones play. Like I wasn't no, nobody. And, uh, I was, he was putting with wizards at the time. And I was like, Oh, Kevin, great putt. You know, what are you putting with? And he's like, Oh, I'm putting with wizards. Here you go, dude. And he just like, I'm just, he didn't even know who I am. He just throws me the putter and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, sick. And I was like, Oh, that's really, you know, and then I gave it back to him. It was just like, he's just like that kind of person where he's like a really, like he's just a great dude. He's just yeah. got all this like positive energy and being around him makes you happy. Um, so yeah, he's great. I love watching fish. Um, yeah. just like smoothness is real. Like, yeah, yeah. he has super smooth form. Yeah. Like, that those ultimate Heiser background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It Good just Woodsy feels like, player. yeah. Yeah. And it just feels like he's like never throwing hard. Stevie Bernster is one mm-hmm. of my favorites from new England. Um, just cause he, uh, I, I think the first tournament, like, I think one of the first tournaments I ever watched was uh, 2013. That was like when I started playing was like 2013. So USDGC that year was one of the videos that I like kind of watched when I was like going through and watching everything I could watch. And I loved, I loved how like unique he was like compared to everyone else. Like he's doing all kinds of weird, like it, his form looks different. That's his pop true. looks different. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I love watching Shoestrick, uh, you know, Back in the day, was I was always like a Schuster stand in the Schuster Macbeth battles. I was always oh, like, yeah, Man, I, yeah, I, I just love the way he threw. We've got and him I'll, on Thursday. Yeah, he's a, oh, really? on Thursday. Guys, yeah. yeah. Oh man, you guys are that's awesome. Will's such a good dude. He's he's really really uh, really nice. He came so I, I I helped build a course in Bristol, Connecticut. Nice. Uh, called Rockwell Park. You can uh, if you've watched the Firefly Hollow Open on Central Coast Disc Golf. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the course I helped design, build, install. Um, that's really so, rewarding. Really cool. It's been it's been fun to do a little bit of coursework. I kn- I know that feeling. That's awesome. Yeah, right. It's just like the most fulfilling thing in the world. And Will um, actually came to our course opening. Like he was nice. there on opening day. Yeah. Prodigy and baskets. He put on, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we have prodigy baskets, and he put on a clinic and. It was just uh, Joey Lutz and Chris Dickerson both came, and that's awesome. It was just, yeah, it was just really cool, and you know, I, I love Chris too. Chris is like, 
awesome dude. Um, He's insanely good. Dude, I showed, so this is kind of a weird tangent. Jake, my homie uh, works for a brewery that nearby. Doesn't disc golf. Doesn't disc golf at all. And the other day he was in the shop um, and we were watching some disc golf and I don't know what it was. Maybe Pro Tour finales last year. Okay. Um, yeah, but now I said that really funny. Pro Tour Finals. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake was like, I think this guy's my favorite disc golfer. Nice. Like instantly, C-Dick. Like, I just <laughs> him. I was like, this is awesome. Like, yeah, so he's a stud. He translates to outside of disc golf. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Chris is such a good dude. And he's got like one of the best doggos on tour. Like uh, Sam. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with the dogs and cats of pro disc golfers dude like, i am in talk to us that. about your cat i want to hear about your cat man oh that's oh, right jack where is he he's sleeping right now is it yeah he's usually sleeping yeah he's right there he's <laughs> usually <laughs> sleeping it's cat life that's in new york Kush i guess fucking life yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh, he's uh i mean he's just like an old lazy kind of annoying cat like he's he, he um you should hear what he, he has to say about you <laughs> <laughs> no yeah he uh i mean i'd say he spends 20 hours a day sleeping it's a fucking life right wow, there dude. how many hours know, eating? Right? an hour <laughs> an hour eating i like well, he didn't even spend that much time eating he's just like kind of gets up he like is he's so annoying like the hours <laughs> that he's awake the hours that he's awake he's like crying nonstop like, to oh, sleep. Pet, like pet me <laughs> feed me like to pay attention to me and then he doesn't stop crying until you just like pay attention to him until you like hold him or like you put him on your lap or whatever um he would be like an amazing therapy he's like an amazing therapy cat because like if you pick him up and you just put him on your lap he's just like all right and he sits down and he doesn't move like he, he's he's very much like object that stays at rest is like gonna stay, <laughs> an object at rest is gonna stay at rest yeah. like he doesn't he doesn't do too much moving. So, um, he doesn't do too much moving. I love that line. <laughs> no, he's That's just great. like, like most cats, you pick them up and you put them down on, on your, like on your shoulder or whatever. They're like, let me get the hell out of here. I don't like being told what to do, but he's just like, all right, whatever I'm here. And he's yeah, just this like, is where I will sleep now. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I, I'm a dude. I'm a huge fan of, of the pets. So I can yeah, see getting into, also. getting into the cats and the dogs of the disc golf, you know, pro tour, basically. I love, what? I'm a huge dog fan. I do. I do like cats. I've turned that around a little bit. I had I'm some a, struggles with cats early on. I'm a life. cat fan personally, because you can just leave it alone. Yeah, exactly. There's, that's Mostly, huge. That's like, huge. You can disappear for like a, a three days. Leave some food in there and water, and, and your cat will be fine. Yeah. Can't barely yeah. notice, probably. You, yeah, yeah, probably. You leave a dog in there, and the dog's freaking out, like probably chewing your couch up. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Jackie's a good. Uh, he's a, he's a really good low maintenance cat, which is exactly what like we need. Like especially that's exactly what we needed when she was going. To, my wife was going to work every day, and I was traveling all over the place. Like, like we barely paid attention to him, and he's. Perfect. Like he, he doesn't care. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I really want to get a second one. I, I, I like having two cats. I try to have yeah. two cats at all times, mm -hmm. but, uh, our apartment's like very, very, very small. It, I mean, it's a new, it's 600 square feet, New York apartment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know. I think two cats in this space would probably be not enough space, but, uh, when, when we we're eventually, I think we're going to probably be moving here in a few months. And, uh, if we move to any place bigger than this, I'm a hundred percent getting another cat. Cause, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I've been upset. I've wanted a cat like 
the only thing I wanted when I was a kid was to have a cat. Mm-hmm. And then I got to college and I was like a foster home for cats. So I was like a halfway house. Yeah. Oh, all right. I like that. It sounds like Kyle Coon's old, ho- uh, yeah. old house. Halfway mm-hmm. house for cats. Yeah. Yeah. So I would like take care of cats until they got adopted. Yep. And then like they'd go on to their adopted parent. That's awesome. And then, yeah, it was great. And then I moved to Connecticut and I adopted two cats and they, uh, unfortunately Jack's brother who I adopted with him passed away mm-hmm. a few years ago, but Jack's still kicking and uh, <laughs> still sleeping <laughs> and he's still, he's still sleeping. I mean, he's, he's old now. I, I don't know how old he is. He must be at least like, cause when I adopted him, they didn't know how old he was, but he must be like 15, 16 at this point. And, uh, you know, he's definitely not, uh, yeah, he, he's great. He's just like, he's exactly what I need as a cat. Like I don't need a cat that's like going to, be running all over the place energetic like i just i need exactly what he is which is like he'll sit down he'll watch tv with you he'll he'll cry at you until you pet him you pet him a few times he'll stop crying like he's yeah. just like a very chill low maintenance cat so mm-hmm. can put up with all the bulls bullshit yeah well, he watches yeah he watches all the bulls games with me that's the only way i can get through them is like have a cat to pet the whole time <laughs> have a cat to pet the whole time because i'm so stressed out i'm just like god why do they suck it's so hard but uh yeah so a uh, slightly uh, less serious or more serious note actually it's far more serious note you were okay. on a recently on a zoom call about race and race racial issues in the sport uh, uh-huh. how did that go i saw like philo was on it rebecca cox yourself yeah. i didn't see the whole thing i just saw i like, caught a couple snippets of it mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. fact that it happened is awesome yeah yeah I, I mean i think that was the biggest thing was like i think the fact like you said the fact that it happened was important and uh, we want to continue to do it throughout the year i think jeff is organizing it for the next the next uh spot um it's always weird for me personally like i've always had a lot of issue with race mm-hmm. like personally just like on a literally on a personal level because i'm arab american i was I, I wasn't born here i'm an immigrant i didn't i wasn't a u.s citizen until i was like seven or eight like mm-hmm. i was born in iraq i moved here with my family um during the gulf war and uh like it's always been weird for me because i grew up in like the north side of chicago which is like very very white i was the only like I was one of the few not white kids at my middle school at my kindergarten and my, like I've always been surrounded by white kids. And like, I mean, when we, when we moved here, uh, I mean, we were like very, very poor, like we're immigrants. Like it's, you're poor when you move. Yeah. And my, you know, my dad like was like a super at an apartment. Like my mom and dad are both like have masters in like chemistry. Like they're, they're both like very intelligent people. And my mom worked at a Dunkin' Donuts. Like that's how they started in America. And that's a lot of immigrants. Like mm-hmm. that's how, it, that's just how it is. Like you, you come here with all your degrees and all your education. And, um, and then you have to do these shit jobs until you, not shit jobs. Sorry. I should have that. You have to do jobs that like, you have to do jobs that like you are overqualified for until you can find other, until you can find stuff that suits your, um, education. Yeah, it's such a like and, sad underutilization of their brains. Mm-hmm. But it's you yeah, know well, yeah yeah. I mean it's it's interesting. I, I, Iraq is so that's where I'm. I'm from Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, Iraq has uh, public college education, so everyone is college educated. Everyone, mm-hmm. it's like the baseline is college education because it's free. So um, like 
every, everyone's college educated and everyone's everyone's super well educated. So I used to work for this organization called World Relief when I was in um, undergrad, and uh, we would basically take immigrants from all over the country, refugees, and we would place them back in we kind of resettle them back in America Mm -hmm. and it was always tough with the Iraqi immigrants, the Iraqi refugees. And there's a lot of Iraqi refugees because obviously the war. Um, And it was always the toughest for them because I had to tell lawyers and doctors and scientists and all these people, I had to tell them like, no, you have to work at this, this like job. You have to work at this like meat packing plant. You have to work at this Dunkin' Donuts. You have to work at this McDonald's and you have to do, and it was so hard for them to be like, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for 20 years and you want me to take people's orders and work at a cashier. Like, so that's tough. That's really tough emotionally for people. But anyway, sorry, I kind of got off track. No, that's fine. I I find it fascinating. I think it's a, that has to be a really tough pill to swallow for, for the, you know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So like my parents eventually, you know, it took a while, but eventually they got part-time jobs at, at uh, places like my mom started working at Abbott, uh, which is like a pharmaceutical company. And my dad started working at Kraft, which is like a, it's like a food. You've probably seen it. Like Kraft food. cheese. Like, oh yeah. Kraft yeah, mac and exa- cheese. It's fire, man. Bob Kraft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So my dad started working there in like their engineering department. And, um, you know, eventually we got to the point where not only were we doing well, we were doing like really well like mm-hmm. really, really well to the point where I, like, you know, I was 15 and, and we were downright like wealthy, like we were rich. Like it's just like, and, it, and we just, we took, we did the whole scale from super poor, yeah, like have to live in your like uncle's apartment and like, and then you move to like a pretty dangerous, scary part of Chicago. And then you kept on moving further and further away as I like, made more and more money. Um, and then I went to Vernon Hills high school, which is like, like a really nice high school in a really affluent white suburb. So it's always been weird for me personally, because how do it's hard to explain this, but like, I always like felt like a white kid. Like, does that make sense? Like I always mm-hmm. felt like yeah. I didn't think of myself as an Arab. Like I thought of myself, like it, I always thought of like the Arab side of me as like this weird other person like i thought Mm -hmm. of like oh my parents are weird oh my my name is weird like that i didn't like associate any of that with me so like i got all the i felt like i kind of like it's weird like i kind of weaponized my arabness right like i would use Mm -hmm. it when it was convenient like i'm an arab when I am the person of color and I get to be the person of color in the room and I get to be the authority on this thing. But then when I need to be a white person in front of the cops, I can turn on my white person voice and I can turn on my, like act like a white person and I can turn that on in front of, and when, when I'm being interviewed for a job or when I'm like talking to my teachers or professors or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that always felt like, that's always, that's always been something I've had a hard time coming to grips with. And when I was a junior in college, I went to Syria uh, for a year, like a, like a study abroad for a summer. And I remember it was like, it was a really weird experience for me. Cause I would like, everyone looked like me. Mm-hmm. It was like really strange. Like you're so used to like seeing, I was so used to seeing Arabs and thinking like, oh, cool, there's like that one Arab that's the person that I, I'm seeing and I'm relating to and we're in this sea of like other people that don't look like us. And you, But then when it's all Arabs, it's just like, 
it, it, it just like blew my, my, my brain open where I was like those earlier, like when I was a kid and I used to think like, Oh, these era parts of me are weird. These era parts of me are something that like I should shun and I should push away. That's not the normal thing. Like it made me realize that like, no, that stuff is actually like normal. It's acceptable. It's, it's okay that your name's Mahmoud. It's okay that you're like, that your family's like weird and loud and doesn't like <laughs> yeah. get how like American white culture is supposed to be. And um, yeah, I, I'll never forget. I was in class one day and at Damascus university, I was taking classes there in Arabic and all the, the class was all like white kids, you know, from Britain or whatever. Uh, Britain, America, all kinds of places. And the teacher was going around the room and she was like, oh, like Matt, she was having a hard time. Like there's no P in Arabic. So she would be like, so we had a kid named Peter. That was really tough for her. You know, she's going around the room. She's struggling with all the names and she comes to me and she says, oh, Mahmoud, thank you. That's like a really easy name. And I it was just like, holy shit, you're right. Like my <laughs> name is an easy name. My name is normal. I'm yeah. a normal kid. And like, Cause like in high school I went by Mo cause it was just like, it was too scary to tell people that my name was Mahmoud. It was yeah. like, like when nine 11 happened, I was an 11 year old kid. And I remember everyone looking at me like, is this is your fault? Like, I just like, yeah, I don't know. That, and that's, that's when I turned on my whiteness, right? Like, no, I'm just a white kid. I'm one of you guys. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm Mo. I'm just like, just don't think of me any differently. So that's why this, these all these race discussions have been like insanely difficult for me because it's been like I'm kind of coming to grips with the fact that like I'm not really an Arab like I'm not really a white person I'm I don't fit anywhere like everyone kind of has their like box that they feel like they fit into yeah and I don't like when I went to Syria I would to them I was just a white dude and then when I went like I was just an American who yeah. didn't speak Arabic who like had an accent and when I, but when I'm in America, I'm just some Arab kid who has a weird name and a weird family. So like that stuff's been, that stuff's been really hard for me. That's why these discussions have been like, Jeff always wants me to lead them because I'm the brown dude on staff <laughs> and uh, yeah, which, which I get, like, it makes sense. You want to have diversity in the diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. panel, but like, it just doesn't feel like I like I'm learning too. Like, I just don't feel like I know anything more than anybody else. And um, yeah, it's just like, I, I don't let, that's why it was so hard for me when Jeff was like putting together the panel of people mm -hmm. and he was saying like, let's have Philo on and let's have Rebecca on and let's have like all these people of color on. And the first thing that stood out to me was like, well, we don't want the people to just be on because they're, like because they're a person of color like you don't it, it shouldn't be the additional burden of people of color to explain to white people how to not be racist or Absolutely. how to not be agreed like like it, that that like i remember when hillary clinton was debating trump and she said something along the lines of like you know the arab community needs to work with us so that we like can uh so we can like learn more about your community and i'm like why is that my job to teach you about the fact that I'm not a terrorist? Like, why is that, why is it on me to teach you that like, I'm just a normal person that just wants to have like a normal life. And like, that's kind of how I felt about this where when Jeff was like, let's have Philo on, let's have Rebecca on. And those guys, Rebecca and Philo, like they wanted to be on it. So like, I didn't like, I 
I, I didn't feel bad. Like it wasn't like yeah. I felt bad about it, but like it was one of those situations where like I we don't want to do things for tokenism. We don't want to mm-hmm. like just have these discussions with people of color just for the sake that just for the sake of having discussions with people of color. Like it should be a very introspective thing. It's a very personal thing. And um, yeah, that, I mean, that's why I always just have a hard time with it. Cause like I have a, my, my wife is white. Like we have, we talk about this stuff all the time. Um, so that, you know, those are very like personal discussions and kind of putting it all out there in front of everybody yeah. is, is really difficult and it shouldn't be an additional burden to bear for, people of color necessarily but at the same time like i i I mean i get both sides like you want to hear from like just just because you're a black person doesn't mean you're like an expert in race relations you just have this experience right and Mm -hmm. same thing for me like just because i'm arab doesn't mean i know everything about arabism like i just have the benefit of being arab and i just have the benefit of my experiment experience like it sucked when the the fucking Gulf war was going on the second one yeah. and everyone's like, Oh dude. So like, what do you think about the Gulf war? Like that sucks that that's going on. Right. And I was just like, I don't know, dude, like, I don't know more than you do. I'm just mm-hmm. like an American. I'm just another, like living here, getting the same news you're getting. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This whole stuff is, is all very, very complicated and it's, like it's complicated for everyone. And I've kind of been sorting through this whole thing where for like a large portion of my life, I just like weaponized my whiteness. I like, I weaponized the white part of my identity where I would use it like when it was strategic to me. And I would also weaponize my Arabness and I'd use that when it was like strategically advantageous to me. And like, that feels like really gross now, like looking back on it. And I'm kind of coming to grips with that as I'm like benefiting from all this white privilege that I had because I grew up in white neighborhoods and Mm -hmm. learned how to speak white and I learned how to act white. I learned how to like do all these things that like, I like, I benefit from the fact that like Arabs have lighter, like Iraqis in particular are like the lightest of the Arabs, like except for the Jordanians, the Jordanians are a little (laughs) lighter than we are, but for the most part, Iraqis are pretty light skin. Like I just look like a white dude with a good tan. Yeah. And I like, that stuff's been really hard for me, especially these past few months where it's like, it just makes me like, shit, you're such a bad person. Like you're just (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like you, you took advantage of all the benefits of the fact that you grew up in Vernon Hills and the fact that you like never had to worry about like you got, I got to go to the university of fucking Chicago. Like that, that's like a super expensive university. Like just the fact that I got to go there, like that's all because of like, all this privilege that I don't necessarily deserve or, and that's all been hard for me to sort through. Anyway, sorry, I am rambling. No, it's a great ramble. I agree. I, I appreciate the hell out of the honesty and just kind of the, the, you know, the introspectiveness and yeah, just the openness and willing to share. It's, it's, I love it. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and ramble on. Yeah. Yeah. Keep on rambling if you want. I would just say that like my wife's the smartest person I know. I talk to her about this stuff all the time and she's a big reason why I like why I'm able to ramble about it at all is cause like I always like I, I, we talk like this like every day where I, yeah. I, I'm just like, well, I, it hit me the other day when we were at the, we were at a black lives matter rally down downtown in New York that we're an interracial couple. Like yeah. that's, that's what, what I'm talking about is like, I don't even like realize that because 
like in my brain, a lot of my brain still looks at myself as just another white person. Does that like, I don't even realize when that when she I, puts her arm around me, yeah. that looks, that might look like, that looks like to some people like that is weird. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it was a similar thing. My wife's Mexican and she was, she posted something similar like that the other day. I forget exactly it was, what it was. It, it was, was like a, loving day. It was loving day, which is the, day where interracial couples could become married mm-hmm. like it, it oh, was wow. it was against the law before that and then now and then that day became law mm-hmm. and it was one of the things that she had said in there is like i don't even feel like we're you know necessarily an interracial couple and we have these same discussions every day too and we we talked a lot about you know and i think that's one of the things that it's you know with all these all these protests that it's been brought to the forefront of these discussions whether it's on a grand scale and in public or whether it's, you know, discussions that you're having at home with, you know, just your significant other. And it's something that we've talked about, you know, hours and hours and hours in the last, you know, month or so. Yeah, even in the shop here. Yeah, dude, we've, we've talked, talked a about, lot it, a about ton. it here. There's been a lot of times where I, I, I tell my wife, I'm like, I'm on my way home. And it's like half an hour later of just a really <laughs> interesting discussion with Aaron where we're going back and forth and, you know, agreeing on a lot of things, but disagreeing on a lot of things. But we're having this, what I think is a hugely important discussion. And I don't know, it's just, it is something that's very complicated and that everybody brings in their own kind of kind of history and and mindset and all of, you know, what they've lived through to the table and so I, I find it fascinating. I just, I love learning about what other people's perspective is. And I'm always trying to get that kind of information on that, on that perspective and try to, you know, keep an open mind and broaden my horizons on the different things that people have lived through. And I think that's, that's helpful right now. I'm far from perfect, God yeah. damn it. But I, you know, I'm trying to, trying to figure out what other people's mindsets are so I can empathize a little bit. How have the rallies been in New York? I'm sure huge. Um, so the one we went to was like a flash rally. So it was actually pretty small. Um, but it was, I mean, it was still like, I mean, I don't know how many people were there, but we, we were, it was several city blocks and it was just like a flash rally. Like it was just like, you know, we filled up from like basically with like a couple city blocks of people wide. And that, that's just people who like said, Hey, show up at this place at one and we'll just walk. And yeah. so, I mean, they're mostly in Brooklyn and like closer to downtown, which is pretty far away from us. Mm-hmm. And um, we, you can't take the subway anywhere. Like yeah. you're, you're not supposed to. And uh, same thing with the buses. So it has been hard to get all the way down to Brooklyn to do any rallies, but you know, we, we've done, there's a couple in Harlem and a couple. Uh, so we went, we went to one that was like in the Harlem area basically. Um, so yeah, that was, I mean, that was, it was, it was great. It was, I mean, it was just really cool to kind of see everyone kind of coalesce around this, 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 this issue. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really, uh, cool to be a part of it. Yeah. In all honesty, I don't know if you know anything about Stockton, California. I know it's a city in NorCal. Yeah. And we don't have the greatest reputation, like as a city at one point we were the worst city to live in in America. Oh wow! Like it was, I was less than ten years ago when that was the case, but like we've had basically a protest every day since it happened of some sort. Yeah, um, nothing super crazy big, but like a few thousand people mm-hmm. at a largest one, and we've basically had like ninety nine percent all safe, nonviolent, 
react yeah. like your reactions to it and so like for me as a someone that lives in the city it's kind of awesome to see like our city do well in a situation like this when it's, we're not necessarily a city that's done well so it's like i don't know like this whole thing has brought like it's obviously brought uh, light to a lot of awful things in our country yeah but it's also brought light to like these awesome communities of people mm-hmm. that will come together to support other communities and i think that's fucking awesome really fucking yeah, cool for sure yeah it's it's been awesome i mean like you know there's usually a little bit of lag between when the laws catch up to the public opinion but yes. eventually they, they get there so um i mean you can just see in the polls and like all kinds of things like public opinion is shifting it's it's really yeah. hard for it not to um and uh just this this like the fucking murder of that like guy it like made i remember when i first saw it i was just i've never been like so like sick like it was just like mm-hmm. it's it was just so hard to watch but um yeah the murder of george floyd like thankfully like i don't know why it, it took that like I, I don't know why that one was i think what, it was I think, it I mean, wasn't violent like it, maybe, in, in the traditional violence of a way there's like, been a yeah. bunch though, but it wasn't like it wasn't like eric gardner where where they like threw him viciously around on the ground and it's like that just right. looks like an angry guy this was someone that was like, it was, it was like a so calculated, cold. measured response. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. why it affected so many people. Cause it was yeah. like, this has no other reason. Like there's nothing you can argue with here. Well, and obviously video yeah. is huge to bring yeah. it to the eyes of billions. And I think it also was on the backs of the Ahmad Arbery. The, yeah. what's, um, the, what's the, the same day, the same day was the person in central park. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the um, bird watcher. What's the girl's name that got killed in, was it Louisville? Um, Brianna Taylor. Brianna yeah. Taylor. Um, yeah. There's the police still haven't been arrested. They've made a law about it, but they haven't arrested the people. Like yeah, so I think it's, it's on the backs like, of like multiple issues, and this one was just so egregious that like it just it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like right, exactly. So. And the, like, yeah, and like we were saying, like like we were saying earlier, like people have been cooped up inside for mm-hmm. two three months, just seeing just seeing like essentially like the virus is killing black people at like a crazy rate compared to white people. And that has a lot to do because of the systemic racism, which keeps black people in like systems of uh, like oppression that keeps them in. There's apparently in South Chicago, there's no trauma centers. Yeah, exactly. Like Like stuff like that where it's, yeah, yeah. I remember when I was at U Chicago, they, there was a lot of protests about that actually. Yeah. Like there's like, it's known as one of like one of the most violent, places in america yeah. or whatever you want to like, lots of trauma lots of trauma but happens no centers there, for but it. there's no centers for it like yeah. so that just that whole that, that's just one little piece like yeah that's obvious why people are angry yeah exactly so it just kind of all built it was a kind of a like perfect storm of stuff and um yeah it's just been like a really interesting time to be living through it's a really important time too so yeah. i mean it's it's cool that we're part of the generation that gets to be the the change so mm-hmm. a lot of from a i was a history major for my short college career <laughs> and uh a lot of this has some similarities to 68 yeah they're not, yeah. not exactly the same but there's similarities for sure there's even a a basketball similarity too or is like the players are wondering if we should play or not yep. it's the same Mm-hmm. same same thing so yep. yeah i mean i i hope stuff 
like, I mean, stuff is happening. Stuff has happened. Like it's, it, we it's already made a difference. Like it's already been the, the New York police, like, what is it today or yesterday? Um, shut down like 600. The crime unit. Forget, yeah. So shut down a crime unit. Um, Which they've was, been passing laws that, like the crime uh, is a plain clothes police officer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all exactly, the taxis yeah. that have lights and like, yeah, basically they're just hide like cops that were hiding. They shut that office down. So, yeah. So, and I mean, and defund the police now is not like, like that's how everything starts. Everything starts as like this radical, crazy idea. And then it becomes more and more acceptable. Like black lives matter started as like this crazy radical idea mm-hmm. when it, I don't know when, and now it's like, yeah, black lives, like now it's just like an accepted thing that, that you got Mitt Romney saying black lives matter. He was marching and, in the streets in DC, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it just takes a minute and, um, yeah, we're we're on our way. These, these like the protests are definitely like drawing attention to like this the fact that the broad the country as a whole has moved has taken like this big giant step and uh, you know our lawmakers are going to have to keep up basically. So power democracy right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hopefully, hopefully it works right. Yeah, I mean, if I, if, uh, I mean, can you imagine voting for someone if they don't, if they're just going to be like Black Lives, if they, if at, at this point, like if someone doesn't say, if someone messes that up, it, it's really easy to not vote for them. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it, this, although it's also tough though, because like the systems are all set up to be rigged too. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I've also been on like the burn it to the ground. I've been very strong on the burn it to the ground. Uh, I understand side it all. It. Yeah, I understand yeah. it all. If someone was, if things got burnt to the ground, I'd be like, ah, yeah, I kind of had it coming. But if we like yeah. corrected course and fixed it, I'd be like, yeah, it's the way society's supposed to work. This yeah. current America so, is still so new. It is. It's, there's going to yeah. be a burn it to the ground moment at one point in his life. There, there <laughs> might very well be. Just, uh, I don't know when it's going to be. Yeah, and then what's going to happen after, and who's taking the reins after, and how do we deal with it? And I just want to see the end of the two-party system. That's will one of we, the biggest asides. I have another question. Is Will we know we burned it to the ground in the moment? Oh, that's interesting. I'm, but, not, I'm not sure. I mean, probably. Like, I think I, so. I lean but, on so I feel yes like this that. is, I feel like we view like very certain years, like 1968, like it comes to... Like you, you know the years and like certain dates when I think things we'll happen. Remember this year? Oh, I think we'll remember this year for more than one reason. <laughs> Certainly, but for just this. But specifically. like, if you think about like all the certain things that happened, like they literally burnt something to the ground. They yeah. burnt a police station to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was super important. I That's think like really important, dude. One of the like, I have friends that are cops, so I don't want to like throw all cops under the bus, which I've have done recently. You you have you've I gone have hard for sure gone hard. I'm I've a offended a lot of people on Facebook in defense <laughs> of black lives matter. Um, but one thing I will say, like it was almost a win seeing cops flee from their own police department. Like it feels yeah. really weird saying that, like it I feel awful weird. saying that in some sort of way, but like when the system's not working for a mass of the people to watch that happens, like that, like they kind of a little bit had it coming to some degree, like, no one got killed, and or that's not true. Someone got killed that led to all this. But like, no police officers got killed in Minneapolis yeah, in that, event, that I know of. In that event, in that event, and they just they lit a brick building on fire. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
it sucks that it happened and it sucks that it had to come down to all this, but it's symbolic and it's, it's symbolic it's, is it's, what I think that's what I'm getting at. It's yeah. very symbolic. Well, and it's tough for, for any, any of those, those cops that, that are, you know, fantastic cops and there's a lot of good ones out there and it's tough to, you know, see something like that happen and go, Oh, this is amazing. You know, when I think it, 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 there, there's a lot of good in that. Mm-hmm. But to you know, I don't know to see something happen to any community where you know that there's there's a lot of good or there's at least some good in that community. Yeah. It's tough to see the the struggle there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I it is. It's, it's like so, one of those weird things. Yeah, it's so sensitive and so complicated. But I I'm very optimistic whether it's naivete or not. I I'm very optimistic about what what they're can be going forward just the fact that everybody's talking about it and i think the more open discussion and open-minded discussion that there is out there can lead to a lot of change it's not everything but but i think it has the chance to be the most impactful change as far as a single person's mindset is just thoughtful discussion Mm -hmm. yeah and you get enough people talking and thinking differently, then that's like like we're saying, if seventy percent, eighty percent of people want a certain thing to be a certain way, that's that's what's going to happen. So, and the only way you get there is if enough people are talking to those people and having those discussions and changing those minds. So, mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't think you change minds without like this severe public backlash. Quite yeah. possibly not. Not like, not, like, not on this scale. Like. I mean, call it Kaepernick had public backlash and nothing happened really. Huge. Yeah. yeah. Like, but this, this grand, like where people were like, Oh, people are really angry. Well, it's so easy to divert what the topic is too, where Kaepernick it's, kneels and it's all about the flag and the it's military. Really it's really hard like, no. to divert the topic when they light your police station on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, uh, that's why I'm getting worried that we're like that the, the, media discussion the public discussion has kind of turned to like statues and like irrelevant yeah, shit like that because right? like I, I i get worried that that kind of stuff like distracts from like what actually matters like i understand like, tearing down the statues but like if that shifts public opinion away from like what's actually going on right like these terrible things that are happening well, like how it, the media can divert what the attention and I, and I is. I don't necessarily think the media is like doing things on purpose. They're it's doing things like for ratings. Yeah. yeah, it's what the story is and what people are going to click on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. someone tearing just, down Christopher Columbus's statue is going to get a lot of clicks. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I just don't ever want it to shift away from, like, the police is just like one small. Mm-hmm part of this larger infrastructure system yes that keeps black people and people of color down and um yeah it's a system that i've never had to like deal with really up close and personal because i've you know had all these like benefits and stuff but uh like changing the police is just like literally the first step Mm -hmm. to changing like a whole bunch of other things that need to change so that um, if you start at a disadvantage, you don't continue to have that disadvantage in this, in this country. So well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the American dream. I mean, you know, I think you're, you're partly a product of that with, yeah. you know, your parents work ethic and, you know, just being able to get from where, where they were, not just from another country to this country, but then, you know, working their ass off and, 
and you know reaping the benefits and i think anybody that that is willing to put in that work and and does it should be able to and shouldn't be you know put down by all the the powers that be around it it's one of those things where like anecdotally you can find lots of instances of people of color in this country succeeding and like oh this guy did it why can't you sure exactly like you don't view like the across the board like yeah you shouldn't have to succeed in spite of though right yeah exactly like just because like just because like Barack Obama got to be president doesn't mean that like, Oh, it's great now. Like, like, no, it's like he had to do, he had to do that in spite of being black. Not Plus, because things probably got worse when he was resident as race relations, not due to anything he did other than get elected. Yeah. Like, I don't think yeah. race relations. Like, that's not, like, I don't want to like, it sounds weird. So, like almost blaming it on Obama getting elected, but like the fact that there's a, blo- a person of color, a black man in the white house really angered a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it made like, things not whether cool. or not they realized it was because he was black or not. Yeah. Like ex- yeah. So weird to me, dude. All of it. It does like it's just so weird. It's both at the same time. So I went to a, I grew up in Stockton, which is a very diverse city in California. But then I like part of my life lived in this little rural town right outside of Stockton that was all white. So I saw like both aspects of like the sides and it's like one of those things where I completely can't see it at all. But at the same time, this other part of me is like, I saw it all. I know how it happens. Like I know how this like insulated group mind think works. Right. Yeah. And it's really yeah. weird. Cause like, I don't feel like a lot of the people that are like racist or believe in the system of that creates racism are actually racist, but their actions directly contribute to things that lift up white people and put down people of color. Yeah. No, I mean, very few people are going to say they're racist, right? Like, you know, like very few people, like if you walk up to someone and ask them if they're a racist and they'll say, no, I just believe in like strong policing and like getting like healthcare that you pay for, like all, you know, like Mm -hmm. all that stuff that contributes to keep it, to a system of like white supremacy like yep like that i mean it's the the moderate like white person right then i'm okay say like i'm more scared of like the moderate white person than mm-hmm. the yeah than the like the staunchly like than the kkk Racist, person because yeah. the at least the kkk person is like like doing it overtly They're like it's easy to commodity. find something yeah yeah it's easy to fight something that's overt. It's a lot harder when it's like implicit and subtle and whatnot. So, and I feel like everything's in subtle and implicit now. Yeah. Yeah. That it's like, it really yeah, the, weird. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's tough. It's just like, it is. it's, it's just like tough. as, as everything in society advances, like racists got better at being racists. That's a, yeah. Like it's a weird way to say it, like yeah. getting better, like at something, but they'd be yeah, found a way to something awful. Yeah. They'd be found <laughs> they, a way to get like, to more subtle, do their yeah. racism without anyone noticing it. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's on purpose or not, like it happened. Man. Yeah. It sucks. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. I have, I have a lot of faith in where it's going. I think that the, the one caveat to that is that it, nothing will ever happen quick enough. We're still, you know, it's, it's 2020 and 
you know, we're, we're still talking about this and we're talking about it because it's extremely important. But the fact that we're still talking about it is, is kind of a, you know, a negative towards, towards where we are now. The fact that it's still so prevalent and that there's still such, such a disparity in, in how people are treated. But I, I find that there's a lot of optimism in, in the youth of today. And we like to give them a lot of shit, you know, they're mm-hmm. on TikTok just swiping <laughs> and shit, but hey, TikTok. TikTok's great. That's, a, TikTok, that's an aside. TikTok corrected themselves after all this. They started like deplatforming BLM people <laughs> and like doing some weird things. And then they correct, they self-corrected. And now like, seems like they're doing things correctly. I don't know, but. That I haven't <laughs> followed. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things that have, it's a very fast game, the internet now. It is. Yeah. It is. I'm, but to take it back, I'm just inspired by the youth. And I think that there's, I don't know. I'm, I hope that there's a lot less racism bred in and, and taught. And maybe it is because we live on the coasts that, you know, that we're seeing a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it might be tougher in middle, middle America. And I don't know. I'm a little ignorant to, to how, how people are living in, in different areas. There's only so much we can glean into. For sure. But, well, I mean, I, I, I think the internet, like you guys are saying that it's like such a great point. Like, a big part of racism is like fear and not understanding what yeah. like different people are like. But now if you're like on the internet, the, the internet for these young kids, is like all they've ever known. And it's a lot easier for them. Like, like let's, let's just say, hypothetically, like, let's just say you're in disc golf and you're just, you're like a disc golfer in like Montana or whatever mm-hmm. in the seventies or sixties, all you would have done is see other white disc golfers and play disc golf with other white disc golfers. But now because the internet, you can be like, Oh, there's this whole community of disc golfers and not all of them look like me. And it's, yeah. I can go connect with them online. And it's like, the internet's great for that. And that, and that you can always find other people that don't look like you that are into the same things as you are. And it kind of humanizes all these, like humanizes all these people for you, which is why I think younger people have, are just like better at this stuff. Cause like yeah. mm-hmm. for, at least for, I mean, the internet was, I, I'm, I'm 30. I just turned same. 30 and We're the same like, age. yeah, I'm yeah, a little older. like, yeah, the, the internet is like, like the internet was a thing growing up, but it wasn't like, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't it, the like thing. It, no, not at it all. Exactly. It wasn't like your whole life the whole time. So like pretty much the people you interacted with on your day to day at school or whatever, those are your people. Yep. But nowadays, like for kids, you can, your best friend might be someone you play Fortnite with over the internet. And it might be like, you, you don't know what that person's color is going to be. The only thing that's connecting you is this game or yeah. this, uh, like maybe something on Reddit or like YouTube videos or whatever. And it's connecting all these people along different axes, which aren't race, which aren't like, socioeconomic or geographical which is like because that that's how we used to connect it was just like where do you live and where do you live is usually very much tied to like how much money do you have and how much money you have is usually very much tied to what you look like because of the system systemic racism so now that the internet is connecting us along different axes it's kind of allowing people to interact in different ways with different people and i think that's like a big reason why younger folks are kind of like kind of over this like racism bullshit. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, shouts to them. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting. Shout out yeah. to Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to give you finally some props. Yeah. Stop <laughs> calling them millennials. They're Gen Z. 
But millennials are old now. That's why yeah. whenever I tell people I'm a millennial, they're like, "You're, but you're thirty." You're 30. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you have a baby millennial. <laughs> we we get older. That's how <laughs> generations work. Like baby boomers are old now. Baby boomers used to be babies. Like I don't like. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Mo, thank you, man. We've done almost three hours here. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't sure if this is like. Like I, I wasn't sure if this is like Joe Rogan style. You guys are gonna just go we, really long or we do how, all how of it, whatever. Yeah, I yeah. didn't really tell you, so that's my bad. We do whatever <laughs> we do whatever the guest wants to do, really. Yeah, and as good as oh, the conversation yeah. is, if it's shit, we'll cut you, bro. Yeah, we'll get out of here. This was a great <laughs> conversation. I wasn't sure. I, I like legit was like, I, like, like when we were like an hour and a half in, I was like, is this just gonna go? Like, I don't. Is are we just gonna talk for like the next couple? And that's yeah. cool. I'm down. Yeah. But like, I just had no idea. So yeah. Well, now you know. Next time you come on, which there will be a next time, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We want so. you on again in the future. But yeah, this was awesome. This was great. Um, one oh, thing before you. we go: Who wins the 2020 NBA championship if there is one? Uh, Clippers. Oh, I hate you. As a LeBron fan, I hate you right now. Yeah, I just like... They're good, though. There's a lot of reasons for the Clippers. The first reason is Kawhi. The second reason is they're the deepest team. And Mm -hmm. the third reason is that they have Joakim Noah now. And I oh, you're a big Joakim fan, huh? He's he's my favorite player of all time. So if only for his sake... If only for him, I want to see the Clippers win. But All right. Yeah. That would be cool. I I like that. I I always hated the Lakers growing up. I don't know why. Same. And now LeBron's in the Lakers, and I have this weird, like, it's tough, stupid thing going on. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I got to root for the Lakers, I guess. But yeah, I mean, if 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 I had to pick an Eastern Conference team, I'd say Milwaukee because Giannis is yeah. my immigrant yeah. brother, and Giannis is so good. He's so yeah, good. and yeah, he's great. I I so usually when I go to Bulls game, usually when I go to games, I only go to Bulls games. I like if I'm going to go to the Nets or the Knicks, I always go to the Bulls game. Mm-hmm. The, last year, I went to Nets Bucks for the sole purpose of watching Giannis yep. worth every penny. If you have yes. any kind of amount of money, go pay whatever it is to, to go see Giannis play. I need amazing. to see. There's like three guys in the league right now. I want to see four. Actually, two of them are young enough. I got plenty of time, but yeah. I, I want to see Giannis who's also young. So three of them are young enough. I got time, but I want to see LeBron before he retires. I yeah. still haven't seen one person. That would be great. Oh, it's amazing. Um, it's I just s- like, yeah. It's like a, it's like an orchestra. It's like he's just doing everything. Like mm-hmm. I've never seen all. He's just connecting all ten people in a, a way that's just like crazy, it's man. A maestro, I like it. I want to see it, and I want to go early. Yeah, and watch everything. Yeah. So I've seen the greatest game I ever went to was, I think like the year, maybe the year before the Warriors won their first title. Uh-huh. I went and I saw Trailblazers Warriors in oh, like four rows off the court. Nice. Oh my god! And Damian Lillard dropped like forty-two, or something like that. And Steph was in the thirties, and it was just a, such a great game. And I'm like, that's the best game I've ever been to in person. Basketball's <laughs> so good live too. Those yeah. stadiums are so intimate. Yeah, especially when you're sitting close. Like, yeah, well, super. Whoa, buddy. Whoa. Yeah, if, I don't, it wasn't my <laughs> ticket. I didn't pay for it. It was a. <laughs> it was a given to me. It was a gift. Yeah. But it was great. Like. I, NBA games are another. There's something different than any other sport. I think every yeah. sport has some some charm to it too. You yeah. know, like not a hockey fan, I will go to any live hockey game, any live sports, live yeah. sports and live music, dude. There's nothing quite like it. Yep, agreed. Yeah. There's that energy, and I hope we are able to get that back at some point too. Yep, agreed. That's, that's yeah, hopefully we'll get that back with disc golf here soon for you guys. I think yeah. so. We appreciate play our commercial it. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> 
The one that Corey, the Corey have, shot one, right? It's like two, one long shot. We have two Corey ones. The one long shot one was funny because that was good. The backstory behind that is, uh, we took we had several takes and we were drinking beers the entire time. Yeah, naturally. But we didn't want our beers to look empty before, like while we were filming yeah. it. So we like kept refilling our beers up over and over again. Yeah. So we were pretty drunk by the time that take <laughs> happened. Yeah. And yeah, That's funny. then Corey filmed a new one with three of our sponsored players, younger guys. Yeah, some of the up and coming um, guys. So that's our new new commercials. Are you up and coming guys throwing off some awesome. keypads? We did up our pro tour sponsorship too recently. Yeah, talking with Sean Jack. So we figured oh, why nice. not? We had a little bit more budget, and it's the only show in town. So yeah, might as well do it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You guys are definitely like doing it the right way with all your promotion. Like I, I didn't know what OTB disc was. Like what? like two years ago and now mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah otb desk it's just like another just in the it's in the it's in the consciousness it's in the public consciousness that's so. the goal yeah, yeah. <laughs> in unison mo appreciate the hell out of you dude that yeah. was that was awesome i i hope people make it through this three hours because there's yeah. nuggets of information in in every part of it so it's great thank you if so much for your time next time you're in california come visit yeah please stop do. by and shop and join our podcast in person yeah, that would yeah be great. absolutely that Open sounds awesome invite. shop, yep. shop looks awesome but yeah uh thank you guys and i appreciate you so much yeah thanks yeah man thank you dude. thank you man